Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to today's broadcast. I'm so delighted that you've tuned in today. And of course, there were numbers of you who were going to in-person services. And uh, as a result of the new regulations, we've been forced back online. But it's great to be together. Don't Listen, don't let that perturb you. The fact is God can still touch you and still minister to you where you are. As always, I want to say we're one church in seven locations, and I'd love to give a big shout out, and I want every campus to make some noise. So come on, Belper. We need to hear from you. Now to the hub. I love the hub, and I love Belper, of course. Now to Ilkeston, and on to Mansfield. Now to Nottingham. Come on, you Nottingham guys. And on to to Toulouse. I just love what God is doing there in the nation of France, and they need your prayers. And now to a new family, our online family. We are so, so pleased that over this period we've established another location. And it's wonderful to welcome you, each and every one of you, to today's broadcast. And also, if it's your first time with us, oh, we want to say we're so glad. We love new people at Arena Church. For those who are tuning in for the first time, let me just quickly just say, Arena Church, what do we love to do? Well, we love to have fun. We love God. We love his word. We love to eat. You can see you don't get a figure like mine without loving to eat. We love to be together and gather. And this is the kind of people that we are. And we also love every age, every color, every background. Everybody is welcome in Arena Church. And, you know, talking about all ages, I want to give a massive, massive shout out to our campus pastors, Josh and Helen, they are committed to growing the church in Mansfield so much they keep having babies. How about that, eh? And uh, we're delighted that we're able to announce they had a a beautiful, beautiful baby girl, Olive Grace, and uh, she's delightful. And we just celebrate with you guys, don't we? So let's put our hands together. We love Josh and Helen, and we love what God is doing there in Mansfield. Well, we're in a series called A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. Oh, how apt, because it seems like, I don't know about you, but life is pretty broken down. It's, people feel pretty beaten up and battered and bruised. And I've got a great message that's going to hopefully encourage each and every one of you. And it's going to be really practical in terms of how we can make a difference in our world. Because we're going to look specifically at faith in doing We're taking the book of James, and for those who haven't got a Bible, you can click on the screen now and give us your contact details, and we'll send a Bible to you, or alternatively, you can download the YouVersion app, and you can get it all there, and the Bible's a wonderful book, and it's a very practical book, it's a very real book for today, and there nestled in the, towards the end of the New Testament, there's a book that's written by James, that's why it's given the name, the book of James, and there's five chapters, and For the next few weeks, we're going to take each chapter and just endeavor to speak into this thought of a faith that works when life doesn't, and what do we need to do with our faith? You know, today we need to understand that faith is about doing. It really is. And we need a revolution. That's a big word. It's a fanciful word, but it's a very meaningful word that I share with you because we really do need a revolution in the church Faith in action, faith in doing, faith in going. And uh, this is how we express our faith. 
It's not just having an understanding of faith, but it's also a walk of faith. So what I want to do today is I want to dive into a number of scriptures initially. And then what we're going to do, we're going to have a little bit of a pathway as we just think through how this applies to our world. And then just at the end, towards the end, I'm going to give you a couple of very practical things that I really hope will just help you and sharpen you and equip you and empower you to live out your faith in the world in which you live. So are you ready? Yeah, go on, tap the neighbor at the side of you. Go on to the screen now and say, I am ready. Okay, let's look at the Bible, shall we, together in James in chapter 2 and verse 1. It reads, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Oh yes, I'm looking dandy this morning. <laughs> but a poor man then comes in in filthy old clothes. And if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Hey, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, You stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts. Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. Verse 6. But you have dishonored the poor. Wow. What words. James is addressing the church, he's writing to the church, and of course James, I love it, the fact that he was the half-brother of Jesus, he'd seen Jesus at work and actually didn't become a believer in his brother until the resurrection of Jesus. So he'd had a real impact, he's seen how Jesus had lived his life, he must have been impacted, he saw what Jesus did, he saw the way that he ministered to the poor and to the rich and to everybody, amazing. James, as a result of becoming a believer, then became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So he understood the needs of people. He understood the attitudes, the motives of people. And let me tell you, the first century people are no different to the 21st century people. It's just that we've got a lot more technology and we're probably a little bit more sophisticated. But at the heart and root of mankind is still the same. And this is what James speaks into. That's why there is the genius of the scriptures because it speaks to us in our 21st century. And this is what he says. I'll remind you again. We should not show favoritism nor partiality on the basis of status or dress code, how somebody talks, looks, or dresses. And James addresses this. Why? Because we all have a leaning towards showing favoritism. And yet, the Bible's very clear. It is forbidden. Believers in Jesus must not show favoritism. I'm going to ask you to repeat it, if you will. Believers in Jesus must not show favoritism. And James addresses the thought of how a man dresses. A man walked in with old rags and his social standing, he was poor. And his cleanliness, because it said he had filthy old rags. And we pass judgment. I want to then go on, if I may, because 
the, the, the following verses are really important and they're connected to the verses that we've just read because then James goes on in, in verse 14. So just go with me, just go to James 2 verse 14. Because then he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, <laughs> keep warm and, and well fed. Oh, they sound like such meaningless words. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. But James says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Have you got this, guys? Faith is shown by the deeds that we do to others. And verse 26, just drop down with me. It then says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I'm going to get you to repeat that and tap it on the screen. Faith without deeds is dead. You're not loud enough. Faith without deeds is dead. In other words, James is saying to us, we cannot show true faith just by words alone. He says, I will show you my faith by my deeds. And then James goes even deeper when he says, faith without works is dead. Let me say it in a modern language, say it another way. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You know, I've come across so much claptrap in the church. I'm sorry to say that. I've se- I hear a lot of claptrap in the world as well, by the way. Uh, it seems like everybody's talking nonsense at the minute. Uh, and, and they're getting all their ideas from every kind of theory. Listen to us. We, we, need to be, we need to be people that are rooted in the Bible. The Bible is so practical and so helpful. And James is addressing this because he says, listen, you can't just have faith and oh, I have faith. Oh, it's lovely, this faith. Without addressing the needs of those around you. You know, a faith that works when life doesn't is by the faith that we express in our doing, in our going, in our action. Now, don't misunderstand me, please. Stay with me. Your works cannot make you right with God. This is where we've gone the other extreme. Some people have said it's all about the works and we don't have to have the faith in Jesus and this is going to get me to God. And I want to tell you, the, the way to faith, the beginning of faith, the genesis of faith, is when you put your trust in Jesus. Jesus said it this way in John 14, verse 6. He answered them when he was asked the question, how do we inherit eternal life? And he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father, the doorway to the Father, except through Jesus. Jesus is the door into the Father's presence. It's only through faith in Jesus can we have access to the Father. So that is the beginning of faith. You can be a generous giver. You can be a church attendee. You can come online. We're glad that you're here. You can read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You may help the poor. You may serve in a local community program and even do good works. Let me tell you, all those things are excellent. They're great. But these will not get you to God. We can only come to the Father 
through Jesus. And at the end of our broadcast, please stay with me because I'm going to invite people to come to the Father through Jesus. But for those who are in faith, you need to hear this very carefully. If you have received this faith through Jesus, then the way that your faith needs to be naturally expressed is through your works, your deeds, your actions. In essence, James is addressing the deck chair scenario. Who likes a deck chair? Oh, I love a deck chair, a big sturdy deck chair. I was saying this in another location. I just love the thought of a clear blue sky. The sea is rolling in and me just sat there. My kids watching them play and doing all that they're doing, having great fun. And I'm sat there in the deck chair, lean back with a pina colada in a hand. I actually don't, I've never had a, actually had a pina colada, but it sounds quite nice. A pina colada in my hand, a book in the other. There's a ham cob at the side of me. Oh, it sounds idyllic. Doesn't it need to you? It does to me. <laughs> it really does. And this is what James is addressing, because many of us live our Christian faith like that. We've gone through the doorway to the Father, and then we just sit there, and we watch the brokenness. We watch people being unruly and confused, and we say to them, I'm all right. I have faith. But I'm encouraging you in this message to get up from the chair and put the chair away and get your work boots on. True faith means not only seeing another's pain, but also being moved to help to relieve it. Now, ministry usually, some people say to me, oh, it must be easy to throw a message together. And I say to you, really? I want to tell you, you have to dig around the text. You've got to, you know, got to, got to absorb yourself in it. It takes skill, craft, application, lots of hard labor, not just to deliver it, but to prepare it for something that's meaningful. But this message, as I was sat there, I was struggling a little bit because I thought, well, what do I say beyond this? Guys, in essence, what I'm saying is, come on, those who are in faith, you've got to get at it. You've got to meet the needs. Faith in doing. A life, a faith that works when life doesn't is as we activate our faith. And normally ministry is layer on layer, but it's so direct. And this could have been the shortest message on record, but it's me you're talking about. So it's not going to be, don't worry, I'm not going to be too long. But I do just want to layer, lay another layer in to help you to understand why we need to get at it, guys. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of the world. Now let's take another look at some verses in James, shall we? Let's go back to James chapter 1 on the back of what we've just read together. Because James 1 verse 22, he says this. Again, he's talking to a group of normal believers like you and I. And he says, don't merely listen to the word. Because some of you could be tempted to listen to the word. Oh, that Christian's got a bit passionate this morning. Oh, he's a nice guy. I hope you're saying that about me. You know, yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. But you don't do anything with it. And James says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And then there's another verse in James in chapter 4, verse 17. And it says this, Therefore, anyone who knows what is right, but fails to do it, is guilty of sin. Oh, wow. That is massive. That's huge, that verse there alone. If you know what you should do, I'm telling you from God's word what you should do. We express our faith in the way that we love and care and minister to those needs in the world. And if you don't do it, you're guilty of sin. 
The sin of adultery. Yeah, sin, that's what it's, you know, the sin of thieving. Yeah, the sin of lying. Yeah, the sin of gossiping. Yeah, yeah, it's a sin. So we need to let this message just absorb deeper into our hearts. We need to let the, the plain truth of the text minister to us. Because we need to be people who live out our faith. Now, faith is a journey, and pastors are tour guides. And what I want to do is just help you to understand the, some of the difficulties, just for a moment, of why we don't receive this. Because our, our world needs redeeming, our lives need renewing, our hearts need redeeming. <clears throat> why? Because we're so twisted and dirty from the ways of the world. And as a pastor, I want to just lead you on a bit of a journey because some of us have come to faith now, put our trust in God, but we still hold to the values and concepts and theories of this world that fundamentally are rooted in humanism and selfishness, and we worship other things. And what I've really understood is the thing that we worship more than anything else is ourselves. Pleasure, comfort, convenience. They're the things that we worship, and that is why God comes in messages like this and says, listen guys, you've now got faith in me, but I now want you to go and activate that faith to this world, and for you to do that, I want to give you a new heart, I want to give you a new way, I want to give you a new attitude, and this happened to me, I don't know, about 11, 12 years ago. God began to really deal with me, God, God began to ask me some personal and pertinent questions and it affected the way that we actually led and and worked in arena church what am I saying well Matthew 25 I want to read these verses to you and and Jesus is addressing them and it's actually talking of the end times the coming back of of our Savior and Lord and there is going to be a day when he's going to come back and if you want to know more of that I'd encourage you to go onto YouTube and I, I preached a message about the parable of, the, of the, 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 the ten virgins, the ten maidens, the ten bridesmaids. And there I address it. And this is connected. And Jesus says this in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, speaking of God, Come you who are blessed by my father and take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Listen, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? They scratch your heads and feed you in. Or thirsty and gave you something to drink. And when did, you see us, when did we see you, a, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you. When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king, he replies in verse 40, truly I tell you. Listen, these are so powerful words. What you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. When I read these, I'd read these verses many times Prior to that, but 11 or 12 years ago, I was wrecked by them. I just knew as a church 
We weren't just going to be a great platform preaching church and we believe in the word of God. We weren't just going to be a word church. We were also going to be a works church with, with equal proportions, word and works. And what I've realized is this, if we will hold true to the word of God in this world that is getting unfastened and going loose and full of compromise, if we will hold fast to the word and we will express the works of God, then we will see the wonders of God. Oh my goodness. We will see the wonders of God in the world. We'll see signs and wonders following the preaching and the activation of our faith in this world. This is what God is calling us to do. And so we've begun us on a journey. You've heard me say this many times. I don't need to unpack the story. We started with a pallet. Where I am now, I said to the church, guys, we said in a food bank up. This was all those years ago before they became trendy. We knew there were people in our community who were going hungry and poor. And I wanted to do something. And this church got involved. And this church got on board. And this church expressed such incredible generosity. It was amazing. And we was encouraged people to get the buy one, get one free offers and bring them in. And we began, that's where we began. I want to tell you, 16 buildings later, thousands of people every week later, you know, lots of people who we're now serving, six houses later, because we house people. We've got buildings in multiple locations. We've got ministry outreaches to the poor. It's amazing. Where did it begin? It began through Matthew 25 on a pallet and in small beginnings. And people have asked me many times, Christian, why do you do it? And I say to them, it's not to see them saved. We do it because we can. And we do it because we're compelled to. Because Jesus said, I want you to do it. So I do it because I can and because I must. And church, I'm encouraging you. Don't leave it to the community champions. Don't leave it to the staff. Don't leave it to the volunteers. Oh yeah, they'll do that. No, it's, it's on all of us. To get involved. Now, some people said to me, going back to the pallet, they said, But Christian, only one or two, and we addressed it quite quickly. You know, aren't they addicts? And, 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 and aren't they wasteful? And many of them are ungrateful and lazy. They need to get off the backsides and go and get a job, some people said to me. And I just addressed them. I said, Hold on a minute. I said, Every person has a story, every person has a background. There's many reasons why people behave the way they do. And the fact is we want to go take the James uh, philosophy. We don't want to go there without any judgment. And we want to express the love of Christ where we can. Now, sure, we're not doormats and we're not stupid and we're not going to be taken for a ride. But I want to tell you, if we're taken for a ride, I'd rather be taken for a ride doing something than doing nothing. Can I get an amen? I believe this passionately. How are you feeling it? I feel this so passionately. And just before I close this bit of why we did what we did, when I read Matthew 25, I was then taken back to my early 20s. It's funny how God does that. He takes you back, almost transports you back in time. And I remember hearing a teaching series in the church that I was part of then, and the pastor hung it on this, on this line, if not you, who? If not now, when? Let me say, if not you, who? If you're not going to get involved then in those needs, who is? And if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? And I want to say, now is our time. And you are the people. Because if we don't, we will have to give an account for what we did with what we were given. 
So I want to reiterate, we cannot get to heaven. We cannot get to God by good works. But we cannot claim to love God without showing needs to others. So quickly, what are the needs of the world? I want to say this because I've said this many times before, but I have to say it again because it's important. And information, we're bombarded with information. And information can be overload. But I want it in this moment for you to really understand this. 80% of the world population lives on less than £10 a day. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. And that is not included coronavirus and all the statistics that it will have created this year. There are more than 750 million people lack adequate access to clean drinking water. And preventable diseases like diarrhea and pneumonia take the lives of 2 million children a year who are too, too poor to afford proper treatment. I can't give you more stats because of time. They're terrible, they're shocking. And that is why as a church we continue to reach out to those who are poor in our world. We partner with a village in Kenya. We serve many, many children and their families on a personal level. I don't say this with any brag or any boast, but we as a family, we determined that we were going to create water. So we're involved in, in digging wells through another organization that goes and gives. And we give a substantial amount of money each year to that. Because I want to make sure that they've got a cup of water, a cup of clean water. And we, 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 we as a church and as a family made sure that we wanted to get involved in kids' lives to eradicate and alleviate poverty. That is the world's picture. But what about in our communities, in our neighborhoods where you live? Well, all I see around me, I live in Hina. It's, it's, it's a nice community where we live. But there's lots of needs, there's lots of challenges like there is in every city, in every town, in every village. I see poverty, I see addiction, I see loneliness, I see isolation, I see bullying, I see abuse, I see abandonment, and I see the mountain of mental health that affects so many. This is in my community. And I cannot simply just say, I'm going to sit back on my deck chair and enjoy the pina colada. Because a faith that works and life doesn't means that I have to go and do something with my faith. So I just want to leave two thoughts with you. Are you still okay? Are you still with me? In my, in my um, wallet, I have a business card. I suppose it says that to some people that I'm important, but I'm no, I'm no more important than anybody else. But my title is I'm lead pastor. When people want to know who I am, I go in my wallet. They want to contact with me and I give them a card. But I've recently created another business card. I didn't ask the team to design it. We've got some brilliant designers. They could have, they'll, they'll be shocked by this now. I wanted the rawness of what I did. I made my own business card. It's really raw. It's sellotaped. I didn't even have any card. <laughs> but when I reach into my wallet, it tells me what I need to do and how I can activate my faith. Do you know what's on this business card? And it's way more important than me and my title and my contact details. And these are the two points I want to speak into and will be done in a few minutes. Can you see that? On my business card, it says, be generous. Be generous. And then on the reverse, it says, show compassion. 
show compassion. So in my wallet, when I go and pay for something, I'm reminded to be generous. And I'm reminded to show compassion. Now, before you all got smart with me, some of you say, well, you don't get your wallet out much. Let me tell you, I get my wallet out loads. <laughs> but I need to be generous and I need to show compassion. So they're the two things I want to leave you in. So let's look at it for a moment. The Bible tells us very clearly that we need to write the vision down and we need to make it plain. And I'd encourage you to probably do something like that as well. Write it down, make it plain. Because I want to be generous. And listen to me, you don't have to be rich to be generous. Some of the most generous people that I know have very little. But they are willing to share whatever they have with others. Some of the amazing experiences I've had of generosity has been in other foreign lands. When they've literally had very little. Or when I visited people in our community. Listen to me. Some people who we're presently ministering to in our community would do anything for me. They would do anything for me. And they have very little. And generosity is showing a readiness to give more of something. You may have a hundred quid and it means nothing to you. But how about giving a thousand quid? When it begins to mean something to you. Some of you can easily give a thousand quid. What about giving ten thousand pounds? Make it mean something to you. That's the sign of true generosity. You know, there are two conversions of a man. A wise pastor, mentor, friend of mine said this. The conversion of a man consists of two things, of the soul and of the wallet. <laughs> and how true that is. But what I've realized is, is as I'm generous, I extend generosity because my faith is expressed. Please don't take this as any of it as a brag. I'm using it as personal illustrations but what we and I, Caroline and I determined, we kept coming across a number of street people living on the streets. Some of them may have been genuine. Some of them, some of them were genuine. There may have been one or two who weren't. But Caroline and I determined that we were going to do something and not just walk by it. This was our personal conviction. So I now carry a Costa card and a Greg's card with money on it. So I can give it away to them. I'd rather do that than you don't know if they're going to go and buy the, a, a joint or whatever. I don't want to do that. But they'll certainly need a meal. They'll need a, a cold drink in the summer and they'll need a hot drink in the winter. And so we carry that around with us. Some of you can do that. Why don't you go and buy a load of five pound cards? It's amazing what you can get for a fiver or ten pounds. And just give it away. Just show generosity. I don't do it because I want to feel good or I'm feeling to do good. I'm doing it because I want to activate my faith. And John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said this, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. That's true generosity. So for me, be generous. I'm going to leverage my food, my clothes, my savings, my time, my interest, my money for others. I want to allow myself to be constantly inconvenienced for the sake of others. I need to say that again. I want to allow myself to be constantly inconvenienced for the sake of others. And secondly and lastly, show compassion. The root of compassion is love. And for me, that love is produced more and more as I spend time with Jesus and I spend time with his, with his people. It's amazing. 
Jesus begins to open my eyes. I begin to see things that I wouldn't normally see. And I really do. Somebody asked me recently, what were my passions? And of course, beyond family, and that goes without saying, and, and my love and my faith in Jesus. But if you ask me what is my passion in terms of what I do, my vocation, this is one of them. How I can serve our community, how I can serve the poor. I have a passion, guys, through Arena Church, and all the campus pastors carry the same passion. We want to see transformation. We want to see change in our communities. We want to make our communities livable again. We want to engage with the rich and the poor. We want to engage with the marginalized. We want to engage with the abused and the abuser. And we want to see a change. And we do that by showing compassion. I don't get involved in projects. I get involved in people. These are not projects. People are not projects to me. They're not these, oh, these tweet people that, no, no, no. They're people who God loves. They're precious in the sight of God. And every one of them has a reason, a story, a, back, a background. And we are told to never show favoritism or partiality or bias towards people by the way they look, smell, talk, or think. We are called to show love. And we can do that by the things that we do, by the prayers that we pray, and by the things that we do. So as I close, I think I've got this right, and there's going to be some smart person who said you've got it wrong. But I'm used to being wrong, guys, so it's not a problem. But by my, by my estimation, we've got 53 days left of 2020. What a year. And at the moment... 2020 has left, its, has left its mark on you. But how about this, turning it and, and, and showing 2020 what we're really all about. Because instead of letting it leave its mark on you, how about you leaving a mark on it? How can we do that? Well, over the next 53 days, how about we go and extend generosity? How about we go and show compassion? How, how about going and making a difference to our neighbours and to our work colleagues and to those around us. Because as we do that, we will show a faith that works when life doesn't and we will extend our faith in what we do. You're here today and you're on the broadcast and you're poor and you're ex you've experienced incredible hardship. They've been thrust upon you generationally. You may have been caught in a cycle of addictions and brokenness. Some of you may have chosen that path. Still others, you, you're very rich and yet you're very poor. You wear the Armani suit and you, wear, you drive the BMW. Please excuse me for those two brands. There's nothing wrong with them. But you understand what I'm trying to get to. But you feel lost and abandoned. I want to tell you, before I even say that God loves you, Please, I'm looking down the camera. I'm looking at you. I love you. This church loves you. And Jesus loves you. We exist for you. We run services online for you. But what we want you to do is begin to do what we did and put your trust in Jesus. It's the start of your faith journey. And for those who are ready to put their trust in Jesus... I wonder if you pray this prayer with me now. Just close your eyes where you are. Just say simply from your heart, 
Jesus, I'm ready to put my trust in you. I'm sorry for all that I've done. I'm sorry for the way that I've wronged others. And I confess all my sins. And I ask for your forgiveness. Friend, I want to tell you today, all those sins, all those wrongs, God, God knows every one of them. And he says they're all forgiven. He loves you. He cares for you. Father, I pray now, those who have reached out to you, that you would just touch them by the power of your spirit. Lord, I can't touch them, but you can. Minister your life, your love, your peace, your joy, your freedom to every person that's reaching out to you in this moment. In Jesus' name. Can I ask you to do something for me? If you've prayed that prayer for the first time or recommitted your life, just click on the screen. Let the host know. And if you need any prayer, they'll gladly help you. And just before I close, I just want to say church, Arena Church, you're such a generous church. You're amazing. We've set all this up as a result of you. It's not as a result of me or the team. It's as a result of you. But let's accelerate this faith in doing. And may we express it in the way that we live generously and show compassion to all as we come up to this Christmas time. So Father, I pray for the church that over these next 53 days, we will be determined to go and make a difference. We will be generous. We will show compassion to our world and to our localities and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I hear a big amen? Amen and amen and amen. Oh, I've loved this series. It's going to be great. Stay with us. Come and see us next week again. But as always, I want to tell you, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I believe in you. God bless you.